In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. I'm here with Ian Wright, 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 and a guest that can play, plug, and podcast every single day of the year. I'm here with Jeff Lloyd from Locked On Browns. Jeff, how are you, sir? Uh, we're good. You know, I'm just trying to establish whatever this new norm that we're living in. Um, and hopefully the, you know, the sooner we all get ingratiated it and comfortable with it, we can go back to what our normalcy was. Um, but you know, anyway, a slice we got an NFL draft in nine days. And I think, you know, as much as it does feel somewhat disingenuous to be excited for it, I think we all need it. We need some sort of break from the monotony and this is the perfect thing. It's going to go on during prime time, you know, and obviously then, you know, obviously then Friday night and then Saturday, but it's going to be enough where everybody can just break up a little bit and, and get back to something they enjoy and you don't have to leave your house to do it. Yeah, I know. It's uh, very exciting. And Jeff, where are you going to be uh, watching it? Are you going to do a live show with Pete? What have you uh, worked out your plan yet? Um, it's going to be a little different this year. Um, last year, obviously the Browns didn't have a first round pick. So we kind of just said, you know what, we'll do the first night, we'll do 10 picks and, and then we'll sit down, um, and brought in some different guests. I think Jared Mueller was part of it. I think Stephen Thomas was a part of it. Um, we're still working on the finalization of it. And then there's always the, you know, nervousness of, you know, are the Browns going to trade out of 10 and see how we cover it? Um, but you know, we'll be there. I mean, look, I mean, there, you know, that's one thing you can circle on the calendar right now. I mean, here in New Jersey, I, I know I'm still in my house till May 20th. So uh, I know April 23rd is going to happen and certainly looking forward to it. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, Jeff, let's uh, plug, I'm sure every Browns fan listens to your podcast. Uh, I certainly do, but, um, do you want to plug your podcast and just tell us uh, a little bit more about, um, what you and Pete do, uh, every single day, basically. Um, well, this time of the year, I mean, it's been obviously, you know, heavy still, you know, on free agency and you know, there are a couple of names out there that certainly should have some Browns fans interests, uh, you know, covering the draft, whether it's, you know, positional breakdown, positional needs. Um, and then we obviously, we always try to, you know, put an emphasis just on giving draft coverage overall. This is what goes on this time of year. And, you know, I've had the flexibility here over, you know, the last couple of weeks or so with, you know, with not being tied to the normal schedule and where I'm more available in the mornings and the middays and, Getting to talk to some people, I'd, I'd love to have on the show, but the schedules just never you know, jived, whether it was a Jake Trotter today, um, you know, had Dane Brugler last week, Matt Bowen from ESPN a little bit before that. Just you know, trying to broaden the horizons, get some different voices on here. You know, Pete and I are still you know, the, basically the nuts and the bolts of it all, and that's what you're going to get you know, all draft weekend long. We just enjoy it, and you know, it's, it's a little bit tougher to do these shows right now and obviously you guys know with this you know the amount of the frequency of podcasts you put out it's you know is this what people are truly looking for but then you do them and you know you get some feedback and guys say thanks man look when I talk my walk or you know I took my jog you know I was able to you know escape from a little bit and then it's like you know what yeah I mean in the grand scheme of things is this exactly what people need right now ah, maybe not but you know when you have that certain amount of people that have been with you this long they're like well you know we still want to be with you and it gets you, you know, revved up and excited to talk about this stuff. Yeah, excellent. And yeah, I've always uh, enjoyed listening to podcasts. You've been on it, what now? Two, three years? 
I started in probably about late September of 2017. So, you know, that was the 0-16 year. And part of it for me was, you know, when I was coming back to podcasting, I, I really enjoyed the Locked On and the framework, the Locked On Network and the framework of it. Um, you know, the Browns were available at the time. They had a bunch of draft assets. They needed to basically rebuild a roster. And for the most part, they did do that. Um, the success I think we were hoping for maybe last year, it, you know, obviously emergency break, maybe a little bit slowed down. But you look at this new regime, you know, where they're headed, what they've been able to do so far in free agency. And it's hard not to get kind of bought in again and get excited about what they've done to this point, you know, what they are doing. And then when you hear all of these guys speak, whether it's Deep Podesta, whether it's, uh, you know, obviously Andrew Barry, whether it's Kevin Stefanski, and you kind of hear a uniformity in how these gentlemen speak about this team and the goal and the plan. It's it's like, yeah, here I am again. I'm, I'm getting really sucked in and being really excited about it again. Yeah, Jeff, it's one of those things where, and this is Ian, um, I always say if Americans can find seven and a half hours to watch Tiger King, you know, I think time is of the essence, uh, <laughs> you know, that argument kind of falls apart, but you know, I think a lot of times people don't understand how much of a commitment it is to provide content, to go through the shows. How much time would you say you and Pete spend a week putting together, you know, just shows and putting out the great content you do setting up guests, all that good stuff. I think for us is like, we can kind of feel through a day, like what it's going to be. And there's not really a lot of like story planning, you know, necessarily where it's, you know, Pete and I, or maybe it's like, Oh, okay, well this was big. All right. You know, we'll do this. And a lot of it, you know, we always ask for listener questions and a lot of it gets spurred on from there. Um, I think we've developed a pretty good rapport. I'd say over almost two and a half years now, um, you know, the more challenges, you know, what have I, you know, going to get from guests that I'm speaking to for the first time. And you always get a little nervous about that. You know, whether it's a, you know, a big name guest or any other guest, you get a little nervous because you don't necessarily have the rapport. Um, like Jake Trotter today, I was a little nervous. You know, I know him a little bit. We've messaged a little bit, but really nothing more than that. It's not that I'm worried about, you know, what he can give me. It's about whether or not I'm able to counteract you know, to what, you know, he has said where I can come back with, you know, so, you know, a solid question to, you know, come with it or retort that he had. Um, but it's just fun and, you know, getting into it and the more you do it and you know, the juices get flowing. Um, and yeah, you do feel a little guilty having some fun, having some success with something right now with all that's going on. But, you know, we've, we've put in our time. We've put in a lot of time. So, you know, to, to put out great content every day and actually even Jake Trotter said, he's like, yeah, I'm not going to lie. It's, it's a little hard sometimes, you know. Maybe Jake Trotter should have been in the building today covering OTAs because the Browns with the new coaching staff should have been practicing today. But obviously everything's shut down and, you know, he's home with his family just like the rest of us. You're just trying to do the best of what you can do. And when something happens news-wise, I mean, you give it and you give it your all. Yeah, it's one of those things where if we can provide a little bit of distraction, you know, we definitely go for it. And, you know, one of the things that I know that you do and you do it often, you know, are the mock drafts, you know, and they're kind of dream scenarios with all these simulators out there now. And people can go in and interact and say, hey, this is the mock I did. Look who fell here. And, you know, I don't know about you, but sometimes I look at them and I'm like, you know, that's a unique scenario. I, while it's maybe not likely that that player goes there, it gives us a lot of what-if games. Yeah, and that's, and that's always the most popular one. And obviously, Stephen Thomas, you know, who's probably, you know, more the originator of that. And obviously, I do it. You know, I mean, look, I mean, it drives traffic. It's something simple that I can do while I'm making sure my kids are doing their homeschooling work and that type of stuff. And my wife's doing her, you know, on the computer work that she's doing at home. 
Um, but it does drive a lot of interest. And I, I, we always love, and Stephen Thomas and I talk about this all the time, the, the he'll never be there from somebody who responds. And then who did the Browns take last year at 44 overall? They took Greedy Williams. That was a prime scenario you know, where we were talking seven months early where Greedy, Greedy Williams is a slam dunk, top 10 pick, you know, put it in the books, in Sharpie, and then seven months later you can get him in the mid-second round. Oh, and that's every fan base. You know, I, I look yep. around the internet and you'll see, you know, Steelers fans are sitting there going, you know, well, what if T Higgins falls at, you know, the, it's like, all right, yeah, I mean, we could all do this. And if Chase Young and Joe Burrow are still be on the board, you know, it's, it, it makes good content. And one of the benefits we have with, you know, Paul and Jack is, you know, I come from the States. I've got my background. I've been watching football far longer than I probably want to admit. And then I've got these two as well who kind of just add different perspectives. So, you know, it, it's definitely something that's unique. Oh, there's, there's no way around it. And, and that's what you're looking for. And, you know, and I even got somebody yesterday that commented, he's like, you know, I'm tired of the shows with Pete on. I can't listen to him anymore. You know, Pete and I have been doing this for two and a half years. Pete and I, we could do a middle of the week average show. And we almost always get more downloads than if I even have a really, really big guest, whether it's a Dane Brugler, whether it's, you know, We've done better episodes together, Pete and I, than on average when I've actually had the Browns players on. It's a weird rapport. It's funny. One day we'll get to meet each other and probably break each other's balls in person. But it's, you know, what you do. And, you know, you just learn to, you know, vibe off of, you know, look at for you, Ian. I mean, here you are, you know, for, you know, five, six times a week, you're sitting down talking with two guys, you know, from across the pond about American football. But you guys make it work because, you know, you've learned each other and you have the nuances where you can go back and provide great conversation with each other. It's amazing yeah, I've what got Guinness a, does. I've got, admit, I've got to admit, Jeff, I'm not the uh, as detailed as Ian, Pete, or yourself. But, yeah, I obviously try and do it from a fan's point of view and uh, ask sometimes the most basic questions just to break down the basics of it all. But, um, Jeff, my killer question for you is what can you see the Browns doing with the 10th pick, do you see us trading? Do you see us grabbing someone? What, what's your like headlines at the moment? For me, look, it, it's all about the offensive tackle position. When you talk about what is the strength of this draft class in the top 10, yeah, Joe Burrow's a big part of it. Yeah, Chase Young's a big part of it. But it's the offensive tackle group. The Browns did a fantastic job. They needed two of them. Nobody expected they were going to go out and nab the top offensive tackle on the free agent market. But guess what? They got it done. Now, what do they need on this offensive line? Look, Jack Conklin makes a really good amount of money. J.C. Treader makes a really good amount of money. So does Joel Batonio. So now you have three high-paid guys on this offensive line. If Wyatt Teller sticks at right guard and is able to keep his job, you're saving some money there. But you already have a very expensive offensive line. Now you're going to look at which is probably the most integral position to your offensive line, the left tackle. And you can get it at a controllable salary for five years when you have a bunch of really, really good players about to be looking for contract extensions that are going to be hefty in price. If you can nail down a left tackle here at a controllable cap number, that's huge. And you look at this class. And everyone got excited about the workout numbers from Tristan Wirfs. And yes, he tested elite. But I think where some people got confused was they kind of like disregarded this other group. Makai Becton, obviously, we only got a 40-time 
5-1 at his size is absolutely mind-blowing. You have the footage of him as a high school basketball player. You know the agility's there. Andrew Thomas tested really, really well. But the reason people are, like, downgrading it is because Tristan Wirfs almost tested like a tight end. They don't realize that Andrew Thomas still tests. Jedrick Wills really tested very well. I don't see how there is going to not be one of these four guys there. My flavor is Tristan Wirfs. My flavor is Andrew Thomas. You know, Wills, it's not that I don't like the game. I just don't like the fact that he's never played the left side. And if you look at it from an analytic perspective, you want all the information at hand. So if you're looking at this analytically, you're not going to say, oh, well, he can play left tackle. Because you're always going to want the proof in the pudding and making your decisions, which makes it a little bit tougher to make Jedrick Wills a selection. You tell me I'm going to get Becton at worst if I cannot get Tristan Wirfs or Andrew Thomas? I, 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 okay. Like, I have zero reason not to be okay with that. I know he needs some work. I know he's a little bit limited as far as everybody else in the offense that Louisville ran. But this is an offensive tackle class. This is what one of the strengths is. Your biggest need is offensive tackle. You're drafting 10th. You're not drafting 20th. You're going to be in on one of these guys. So until the scenario shows that it's not and you can trade back and there's other guys available, it's all about this offensive tackle group. If you get worse, it is a win times like 10. If you get Andrew Thomas, it's a win times like five. But even Becton, you're not going to be with a player like that. Jeff, who do you think the top two are on the Browns board uh, offensive uh, tackles at the moment? I would say it's going to be worse, and I say it was going to be Tom. It's going to be Thomas. Worse, you've seen some experience at the left tackle position. This team loves offensive linemen that can move, that can get around. You know, you don't have to be an elite athlete. You got to be one that can move. So Andrew Thomas fits that mold. Becton is the tougher one, just because the one thing you have your little bit of concerns about with Makai Becton is with him being the size he is, and he is a massive, massive dude. It's long-term. You know, what, you know, is he going to be able to keep that weight? He needs to keep the weight closer to 350 than he does 360. It's going to take less stress on the joints of his body. There's going to be people coming at him and falling into his knees. He's six foot seven, almost six foot eight. That's going to cause some undue damage. So maybe he's just a little bit too tall, but the athleticism, yeah, you're in love with. So for me, it's worse. It's Thomas, but there are so many tackles in this class even if they decide to trade down because their flavor isn't there, they're going to get what they need. That's how really solid this offensive tackle group is. Jeff, okay. All four of them tackles go early. Tenth pick and Siemens is still there. Do you take him or do you uh, trade down? For me, there's going to be quarterbacks available. For me in that scenario, Jeffrey Okuda might be available, the top cornerback in this class. You also have teams who want to get the top wide receiver in this group. It seems everybody wants to get Henry Ruggs to get that Tyreek Hill effect. I can probably slip out of 10 really easily and go down to 17, 18, end up with an Ezra Cleveland who the Browns are in love with. They've literally followed him around this draft season with puppy dog eyes in love with the players game. They are more than willing to drop back a little bit to get somebody else. They love this offensive tackle class. They've spent time one way or another with almost everybody in this group. I think they've played this scenario at both ends. Will there be somebody there at 10 that we love? 
Okay, we've looked at it. Maybe there will be. If there's not, we can slide back a little bit here, get an extra pick or two, which I know they desperately want. They want more picks in this draft or more future picks. That analytic lens of having, you know, basically able to throw, you know, you know, more pennies into the fountain, so to speak, reaps more rewards. They certainly do believe that way. But if their guy there at 10, yes, they'll be interested. But there are guys they, they like a little later that they'd be more than okay with. So, Jeff, if Simmons is there, you would trade down or would you take Simmons if you're the Browns uh, GM? If I'm the Browns, I'm not taking Simmons. I had the opportunity to keep productive linebackers here already. They did not do so with Christian Kersey. They did not do so with Joe Schobert. The way this defensive system is going to run, it's going to be heavy on pass rush. It's going to be heavy on coverage. I just don't see how you look at the money Joe Schobert got and say, no, we're not in on that. But then you're going to take your number 10 overall selection and then go in on a linebacker. It, it, it just seems that there are going to be a team, and there's certainly teams in the NFL. You look at the Chiefs who just won uh, the Super Bowl. They're not a great linebacking group. There's going to be teams that are kind of, I don't want to say pass on the linebacking group, but their goal is going to be let's accumulate as many really good defensive backs as we can, and we'll find a couple of linebackers to handle first and 10. Yeah, I think I agree with you when it comes to kind of the trade down scenarios. The one thing that whenever I'm kind of looking at a draft, what I like to do, I kind of like to bracket teams that are all in the same hunt. And by the way, Kansas City had the greatest linebacker in the league, Anthony Hitchens, as he's from Lorraine, Ohio. So shout out, Anthony. I'm also from Lorraine. So just a little plug there. But um, I look at the Jets, the Raiders, the Niners, and the Broncos. You have four teams out of five picks that all want a wide receiver. So the Browns are going to have leverage with one of those teams to start almost like a bidding war because, listen, you may like Judy. I may like Ruggs. One of them may like CeeDee Lamb. Those are pretty much the consensus three guys, and there's four teams. So I look for trends like that. I also look, you know, you go down, you see Atlanta, Dallas, the Raiders, you know, you have the Eagles. You have all these teams that need cornerbacks. We know that after Jeffrey Okuda, there's been a lot of talk today. C.J. Henderson's on the hype train. So I try to find these little, like, pockets. So that's why I think that adds a lot of validity to if, you know, for example, the Browns have Wirfs and Thomas high up on the board and aren't as high up on, say, Becton and, uh, and Jedrick Wills, they could drop back below the wide receivers group or even below the cornerback group kind of let those teams fight it out for there and then get, you know, the benefit of extra picks and still probably get the guys they're looking for, the Josh Joneses, the Ezra Clevelands, you know, guys like that. Because I do think that if they wait to 41 to address that need, they're probably not getting a guy that can come in day one and contribute. And as we've said, the Browns have a two-year window. So they got to plug this hole this year, not two years from now. Um, and that was probably in, and this is one where I don't actually really blame John Dorsey because the opportunity never really presented itself for him to solidify the left tackle position. Um, and that's probably the one that, you know, maybe ended up being the, you know, the ultimate undoing last year was the left tackle position. But this year it is, the, it, it's just this simple. It is such an important position. And I agree with you. 41, it's getting cute. I mean, you're asking a whole bunch of teams to, you know, maybe overlook it. And especially now you're going to have Cincinnati who's going to draft a quarterback one overall. I still don't know who their left tackle is. So if you're telling me one of these names is available at 33, they're going to ignore it. Um, and then just, you know, a, a couple other ones, obviously, you know, for all these teams, you know, the Chargers, 
uh, you know, the Cardinals, all these teams rumored in the top 10 to have interest in the offensive tackles. One of them does something different and leaves you one of these guys, then you're not going to take one. So the opportunity could arise that one of these guys that you like a little bit later on in that five, six, seven, eight overall in the offensive tackle group could maybe fall to you then at 41. Nah, I mean, it, 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 the writing seems simple enough. Get this done by big t- pick 20. If it's not 10, trade back, whatever, but get this tackle situation handled by pick 20. Being a Jersey guy, do you see anything from the Jets or hear anything from the Jets looking to leapfrog the Browns? Because Jack brought it up yesterday that Jacksonville kind of has a wild card mentality in this draft. With them having both picks nine and picks 20, you know, they've got a little room to play. So I almost wonder if, you know, say two of those guys are gone, do that, does a team like Tampa or one of these teams say, you know, we got to get ahead of Cleveland to get our guy. Have you heard anything like the Jets, Tampa, any of these teams um, looking at getting up to that Jacksonville pick to jump the Browns? Uh, from what I can feel and what I can get is, yeah, the Jets are interested in the offensive tackle group, but you look right now at what they've done at the wide receiver position, it's not enough. Um, they've spent money on the offensive line this year, whether it was great money, maybe not. Um, but you know, if you're looking at a Jerry Judy or a CD lamb and you've got Sam Darnold and you're running with Brashard Perriman, you know, you run with the, you know, the veteran, the kid out of Duke, the former Washington Redskin. And you're saying that's enough. I mean, for me, get me the ultimate number one wide receiver, you know, Brashard Perriman at $6 million. That doesn't say enough to me where, you know, I'm going to ignore the wide receiver position. What the Jets want, they would love to see a battle for all the offensive tackles. Nobody give up their picks, and they can get the wide receiver they want at 11. I, I, the, the key to this game, to the key to this sport in 2020 is scoring. You know, it's a wide receiver as important as a left tackle position is, but if you don't have that true number one wide receiver, you know, why are you chasing the left tackle? The Browns are in a prime position here. They have two wide receivers capable of 100 reception seasons if this goes right. They need the tackle. The Jets, they need the guy that can maybe get them 100 receptions. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where the only wild card I have on that wideouts is if the Jets, you know, Joe Douglas is an old school guy. He looks and says, there's going to be somebody at 48 that he likes. You know, there's we don't know. It's a wild card. It's a crapshoot, you know. And that's what makes the draft fun, you know. And I know – I have a couple guys, but I'm curious to hear yours. You know, with all the mocks that you see, a lot of the mocks that you do, do you find yourself gravitating towards, like, some of your favorite guys? If so, who are they? How do they fit the Browns' needs? Like, who are some of your, your favorites? Um, as, as the process has gone on, and, and this actually started early in the college football season, and, uh, you, know, you know, obviously, you know, Winfield out of um, Minnesota, Antoine Winfield Jr., and, you know, I, I had messaged Pete the one day. I'm like, dude, every time I watch this kid, he's making plays. And you know, Pete's like, well, is he eligible? And then we went and checked, and he actually had two red shirts. So he's, he kind of finished Minnesota as a red shirt sophomore, even though he spent four years there. Um, yeah, a little bit undersized. But you see, when you're going to look at a, a son of a player, a son of an NFL player who was really, really good, you should know who he is within like one or two reps. And you see it. He's always around the ball. He's 25 yards back. He's around the line of scrimmage. He's making plays in the backfield. He's intercepting passes. Um, in a pinch, when they thought they had a big opportunity for a punt return, they would put Winfield back there doing that. Um, then you get to the linebacker position. You know, you guys know I was a huge, huge Joe Schobert guy. 
And going through the process here and watching linebackers, the more and more I watch a Logan Wilson out of Wyoming, he's a little bit bigger than Joe, um, a little bit tested, a little bit more athletically. He's played the true linebacker position for four years in college for Joe. Most of the time, he was an edge rusher in Wisconsin system. Logan Wilson is that run chase linebacker out of Wyoming. I've really, really just come to appreciate his game. Uh, Amik Robinson, he's a five foot eight cornerback at Louisiana Tech. Plays like he's six foot two and the biggest guy on the field. Runs his mouth. Gets really physical. Is he able to create turnovers? Another one with returnability. Just a great, great player. And at five eight and change, you can put him, you know, as your nickel. If there's weeks where the slot receiver is the number one option for any opponent you're playing, maybe you can go ahead and have Denzel Ward take that issue. Amik Robinson can play on the outside. But some of these guys have just really grown on me during the process. You know, it looks like Kareem Hunt, it's going to, you know, end up here and he's going to stay here and he'll be part of this 2020 team. You know, anybody can sneak in at any point here. You know, so but there's some running backs that fall in love with. Whether it's Cam Akers from Florida State. You watch his tape. He was like a man going against – his offensive line was like air. They were non-existent. That's how bad they were. But week in, week out, he battled. He fought. He was a good receiver. You know, a solid, solid runner. Most of the time dodging the first player in the backfield. Times where we saw Nick Chubb, you know, last year doing the same type of thing. Anthony McFarland, another running back out of Maryland. I'd love to mix some sort of pure speed running back with Nick Chubb. Nick is a really thick guy who runs really well. So imagine Nick Chubb, you know, delivering punishment, breaking tackles, and then you take him out for a blow, and you're putting in a running back who's even faster. So, you know, whether or not that comes to fruition, but these are some of these guys in this class who have just really, really grown on me. Yeah, I'd seen enough Anthony McFarland at Maryland as he was running through my Buckeyes defense. So I mean, he literally almost won that game single-handedly. Oh, I remember sitting there and I'm like, how is this? I mean, he had over 200 yards in the first half. I was like, this is just – I don't know if it was more of an indictment on the Ohio State linebackers, but, yeah, it's – and the Browns, the one thing you were talking about, the corners, you know, the Browns have been – I saw they were talking with uh, Amik Robertson. So, you know, that one actually could come true. It's one of those ones where they have so many options. And, you know, these later round guys, I hope that there's not as big of an issue. You know, this guy coming out of Louisiana Tech, hopefully the inter, you know, the interviews and all that stuff, they're able to get done, the medical. I hope that's not the case because those are the stories we really like. Yeah, and see, that's going to be the tough part here. And we've talked about this a little bit is with everything being analytic and some of these guys who said, look, we're not going to do the combine, the way you're doing this with the way the times and the workouts are going – it may not be the best interest for my prospect. And then all the pro days got evaporated. So the question is going to be like, how do you handle this? You know, analytics is all about using every drop of information you have. And there's going to be guys that they've got essentially some incomplete profiles on. So the question is, are you going to gamble on those guys, which kind of goes against the analytic approach? Or are they just going to say, look, we've got to do what we've got to do because, you know, this is an unprecedented draft season. Yeah, Winfield's the one that I, I question on medicals. You know, I know that he's battled a little bit of injury. So, you know, he's one that I'll just be curious to see where he ends up. Because I know that draft Twitter is very high on him. And, you know, I know that when you talk to – or you read some of the other guys, you know, they talk about guys like Duggar and Delpit, McKinney, um, and then the kid Jeremy Chin. So I'll be curious where Winfield kind of slots in that into that fold. I think he's probably maybe looking at that like – fifth, sixth safety off the board. 
So, and the Browns, you know, in, in the free agency period, just, I've been saying this now for a while. Well, I think linebacker is our biggest need, not draft need. I'm not advocating taking a linebacker at 10. I just think right now, when you look at the Browns linebacking core, Connor Rogers was on here, said the same thing um, about the kid out of Wyoming. So that seems to be a name that's popular, but the Browns got to do something about linebacker. Cause if you start BJ Goodson, uh, you know, Mac Wilson, and then, you know, whether we go with a Sam or a, a dime package, it's just, it's barren there in the second level. Uh, it's it's definitely causing you some concerns, and it certainly makes you wonder, you know, where their importance on the position is. But even if they don't view the position very highly, you still got to get something there, man. Yeah, they got – I mean, they got a big hole to fill. I mean, Schobert, I think he was as good as you could, get, you know, ask out of a fourth-round pick. And, you know, here he is that signed the big deal with Jacksonville. They got to get somebody, so. Well, I, and I think the linebacker class turned itself around. Um, with the combine, I think these guys all really tested well. But again, it's going to be you know how they view the importance of it. You know, I don't think they view it number ten overall important. Um, but it could be forty one or a trade back. You know, wherever the trade back comes, where it's something they're going to address maybe in the top seventy five, certainly the top hundred, or it should be at least. <laughs> Jeff, I just want to say thank you so much for your time. I've got two quick questions for you. Uh, question number one is I've met Pete, I've met Steve, still yet to meet you in New York. Two games this year, I think. Yes, there is, there. Paul. Hopefully we finally get to meet. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I mean, obviously, you know, those waiting for those dates for them to be released and certainly have them, you know, uh, you know obviously dog-eared, so to speak. But uh, yeah, Paul, no doubt about it, my friend. Excellent. And last question, of course, is I always see you doing a bit of uh, barbecuing. Are you going to be barbecuing on uh, draft night? No, that'll definitely be that's, – that's a night off because for me, I always go – you know, as you guys know, I, I do charcoal. I do charcoal only. So that is a longer process. You know, you got to get your coals ready. Then you go back in, get the meat out after the meat's been prepped. You get the meat, obviously get to room temperature before you grill it. Never cook straight out of the fridge, guys. It's always got to be room temperature before it hits the coals. Um, but it's – it's been something that I always enjoyed. There were times in my life where I was a short order cook. Um, my wife's brother, uh, my wife's sister's husband, he was a big griller, big charcoal griller. Um, and over the years, you know, I've kind of become, you know, I would say, uh, you know, he was the master. I'm the sensei, so to speak. And we've gone on it. And, and even because we weren't able to be get her together on Easter, you know, he did a prime rib. I did a prime rib. I showed him my picture. He's like, oh, well, he didn't use everything I said. I said, well, I did. And I said, but I kind of tweaked how I prepped it and how I did it and things of that nature. But it's a, you know, cooking is a release. It's a nice break from everything. Um, and the, the slower the cook, the more I'm okay with. You know, you, you just listen. I mean, you listen to the coals. You, you smell the way the flavors start to come together. And you know you're onto something good. It's it's just peaceful. It's it's one of my zen things, so to speak. Well, Jeff over here, charcoal is not a big thing, but obviously I'm trying to learn all the time. I see so you, Paul. I see you getting there. I'm try I'm trying, but yeah, it's uh, anyone who watches it just thinks like, oh, it's quite simple. You burn the charcoals and then it goes on. But trying to maintain that temperature is an art. Um, well, you're usually on a rooftop, Paul. So there's some wind involved, which wind always makes it really, really tough when the charcoal's involved. Jeff, you just helped me out there. Thanks a lot for that. That's probably where I'm going wrong. The uh, the force, 30 miles per hour wind. Yeah, that's, that's, that's never your friend, no. <laughs> Stay right, Jeff, London I, Bridge. Jeff, I just want to finish up by saying thank you so much for all the content you do create. 
as you said, it's great to have it in our lives. Daily podcast, all about the Browns. So thank you very much. And uh, where can finally people find you again, just in case they didn't listen to the start of the show? Well, uh, you know, like we talked about earlier, I've been hosting the Locked On Browns podcast since um, September of 2017 at Locked On Browns. Um, it's a follow back account. We keep the DMs open. It's the best way to com- t- uh, you know, basically connect with everybody and shows for the idea or just questions. You know, some people aren't, you know, are still social media shy, which is fine. So, you know, we handle questions and obviously, you know, things like that over there. Uh, me personally, at Jeff LJ underscore. I'm sorry, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Um, DMs are open there as well. It's just the easiest way to communicate with the listeners. And look, there's times where you get aggravated and you got to shut somebody out because somebody's got to be a, a wanker, so to speak. Um, but you, you just enjoy what you do. I mean, you don't get this far into something without enjoying it, um, talking about the game and, j- and just being around it. And obviously you guys know that as much time as you put in. And, you know, now we're, we're in times like we are and people tell you how much they enjoy it and they appreciate you being around. Um, it's just a little bit more pat on the back and it gives you a little more incentive to go in, you know, day in, day out and try to put out, you know, the best great content you can. Jeff, thank you, sir. We appreciate it. Thank you. Go Browns. See you soon, Jeff. Thank you again. Gentlemen, be well. 45, 50. He stumbles a little bit to the 40. He's to the 30, 25, 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Nick Chubb. 63 yards. Well, there's some fresh legs.